someone else has already said it best. This is the best about it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. The best. The best. Best, 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 best. Hello and welcome to Best of the Best with myself, Connor Keyes, as always beside me is my co-host, Mr. Ronan Mullen. Yes. We are here uh, for another episode. We're here catching up on, uh, uh, this is the first of two uh, episodes, um, technical difficulties. Um, Whoops. Kind of. Well, so one, wasn't one wasn't our fault at all. Like. No, definitely not. It was uh, not at all. So we... Uh, yeah, I mean, we came in to record, and uh, on the night we had a a, <laughs> a lot not of a dildo, a, a lot of drills and yeah. a lot of uh, banging, and uh, it was because a well, we, when I went upstairs to find out who was making all that fucking noise, so I could tell him to stop. Turns out it was a postnatal de- uh, depression support group who were putting together a therapy room. Where do you go with that? Pretty bulletproof. Um, <laughs> so you just go, yeah, okay, we'll do it another night. Thanks, sorry, see you later. Like Holocaust, like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, so we uh, we didn't do it that night. So we apologize for that. But I'm sure you were uh, able to survive without us. Yeah, nobody complained. Well, a few the few people did complain, but literally they complained anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this episode is uh, Mule Variations by Tom Wait. Mm-hmm. Tom Wait. Tom Wait. That's Terry's brother. Tom Wait. <laughs> Terry, uh, wait. <laughs> Holocaust, postnatal liberation. Are we two minutes in? We are in. We are ready for rock and roll. And then to start all off, we brought a nice, bright, light album of mule variations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, as always, we uh, the idea of the podcast is to sort of convince you um, and uh, sometimes ourselves that this is one of the best, um, whether it be TV, movie, or uh, music. Mm-hmm. So, Tom Waits... Um, if you don't know him, and you probably don't, if you'd you be ashamed of yourself, but <laughs> yeah, at, at this stage, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, going for well, the first album was 73. I was gonna say 50 years, is it coming up? 55 now, then, um, 50 coming up, mm-hmm. okay, so going a long time. Um, this album was number 11, this is 11, 11 studio album, yeah. Released in 1999, um, and uh, as produced by himself and his wife, wife, Kathleen Mm -hmm. Brennan. Mm -hmm. We'll come on to her later on. Um, So this, if we take it to the background to Tom Waits, um, how do we explain Tom Waits to someone who's never heard of Tom Waits? Tom Waits is 70 this year. Was it this year? And New Variations, as you said, 1989, so it's 20... Years. This year. Mm-hmm. Now, there was sort of, the the way he was sort of described leading up to, before he met his wife, sorry, was very jazz influenced, uh, a lot of folk mm-hmm. sort of tinges to it as well. Some brilliant albums, uh, but he sort of really hit his stride with... Uh, a trilogy of albums with Swordfish Trombone, Rain Dogs and mm-hmm. Frank's Wild Years, which all coincided with him meeting his wife. Yes. Now the the way it's told is he he met his wife and he was still 
and we're not going to shy away from this. It's a character he plays, sort of. Mm. We don't. Nobody really we knows. Don't know for sure if it's a character or not. But because yeah. I, I honestly thought before we started looking into this that he had stopped doing or he stopped drinking around about the time he met his wife, which was in the late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. But he hadn't. He quit booze in two thousand and eleven. Right. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> That had nothing it to do with it. It makes more sense, yeah. For a man who's drinks so much about whiskey, I think it would, yeah. Yeah, it would have been hard for him to stop at that. And he's not years. he's not the type of uh, musician who... You can tell by the way he his songs are written. Uh, he he doesn't rely on alcohol or drugs to... I don't think he's into drugs, but he doesn't rely on alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think it's great for the names of songs, <laughs> and it's great for lyrical content, mm-hmm. but he wasn't a down-and-out... Barfly, as he's been described yeah. in the past and stuff, mm-hmm. and but again, it was, it was more the persona he put out there. It was, was a persona he put out like that. Yeah, it was a persona he put out. But when he met his wife, um, his main influences are James Brown, mm-hmm. Doctor John, Randy Newman, The Rolling Stones, and then authors like Kerouac and Charles Bukowski. Mm-hmm. Um, his main influence though was Bob Dylan who he described the best way I've ever heard anyone <laughs> being described as an influence, as important to a songwriter as a hammer and nails are to a carpenter. <laughs> so not an instrument, <laughs> a person. Yes. Which is a great... Absolutely, yeah. It's a great mm-hmm. starting point, but mm-hmm. he does not sound like Bob Dylan, so don't... No. Especially his and later think, albums. Yeah, I think that's as one of the distinctive things about him is the voice. The voice it's is... The voice is key. Great lyricist too, but the voice oh, the, is key. The lyrics are unreal, but I've never, yeah, and you won't hear any another Tom Waits like it's no. People have tried, they've tried people to emulate have tried. stuff, but nothing can come no. closer. And I, and the range. It doesn't sound. It sounds weird saying range for Tom Waits, but it's like you know he can he can be the the low down gravel or the roaring gravel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still gravel. Yeah. No matter what, it's fucking forty fags a day and, and two bottles of whiskey. Well, uh, if you listen to like any of his. American talk show appearances where he actually performs a song mm-hmm. like he does uh, Tom Charbert's Blues that Waltz and Matilda Waltz theme yeah. mm-hmm. and y- like there's points where you're like can you imagine being like in the 70s watching this <laughs> we've travelled down from Iowa <laughs> just to see celebrities and then this fucking weirdo that who's clearly off as oh, big but, or was he? Y- you don't well, know? And but he does this he, perf- he's n- is he that good of an actor? He's a pretty good actor. He's a good, pretty good actor, but is he that good to the point yeah. where, like, because he was <laughs> that it was he, <laughs> yeah. I, he was, he was, was so sh- fucking convincing, and stumbling. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I think then if I mean, when we are trying to explain to people, you know, why we like it, um, we also try and explain, you know, the relevance to other things. So yes, now let's get this nailed down first. Why we like it is there's great song. That's Absolutely. number one. I have to admit, number two is the persona. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I I f- I totally fell in love with the whole. I like the whole underdog barfly Charles Bukowski character. Yes, who just happens to be amazing. Like yeah. as I said, that performance of Robert's Blues, the actual performance when you get over what you're watching. Yeah, and you just listen to it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and and with him, it's. You could tell again. I don't know if it's an actor or not, but you could. He has a the 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 way of him that makes him look like he would just be as happy 
in a shitty bar. Yeah. <laughs> with nobody even Somebody giving him just any firing him drink. Yeah, just giving him what's Let him batter on. Yeah. Uh, and he's been covered by everyone and anyone. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm ashamed to admit it. Go on ahead. <laughs> how long? How long? Just want to get <coughs> complete silence here. Going ahead and admit this. So my first introduction to Tom Waits was it uh, was by a um, <coughs> Rod Stewart mm-hmm. because I happened to hear Downtown Train mm-hmm. popular, by Tom Waits, popular song by Tom Waits, mm-hmm. and I thought, why the fuck is Tom Waits doing ripping off a good Rod Stewart song? Oh, can I go? It was the early 90s now. I was quite young. And then I cut you myself off. You weren't stupid. <laughs> Rod was a fucking man, all right? Rod is a... a Rod guy. indeed, Connor. <laughs> he is Rod, Rod indeed. He could have written that song. No, he couldn't have, no. But at the time, I just... I didn't know Tom Waits was, was original. And then obviously it all made sense as your adulthood comes in and you realise who Rod Stewart is. You're like, ah, okay. And you bury it way deep and go, I'm never going to say this. <laughs> I'm not going to say it until 2019 <laughs> until... <laughs> it's the, we've created a society that is safe enough to say, I found out about Tom Waits via Rod Stewart. Is there a uh, Me Too profile for <laughs> guys who fucked up? <laughs> who wrote it? Who directed it? Who starred in it? Who sung it? Who? Yeah. There should be. The, the Support really group, anyway. Be, yeah. Uh, uh, we won't go into that because that's just a fucking <laughs> go for hours on things that were. Uh, <laughs> like, I, until my first day in CBS, I thought Trillick was a county. <laughs> <Ireland>. <laughs> <laughs> right, but not just a people from Trillick think it's a county, not, but not, but uh, not just a county, <laughs> but like a county way way down south, right? I don't I don't know why. What did you think it was? I, I thought it was a county, but what what one did you associate it with? Just like I I don't know if it was a mixture of Kerry and then Tralee and all these different things and Limerick all when we had and Trillick was just down there until the very first day. You know when you're sitting in, in your new secondary school and everybody in the class has to stand up and say where they're from. <laughs> I got to avoid Donnelly from Trellick, and I thought, Jesus he's Christ, traveled he's travelled far from school. Must take the light, the big bus. Again, that was 1993, and I was a tiny. I'd never seen Trellick or knew it existed. And now, obviously, in 2019, still you still think seen, it's a... Still haven't <laughs> seen <Trillick>. <laughs> <laughs> But at least I know where it is. Yeah. Uh, I know it's not a county. Uh, no, uh, well, yeah. firstly, it's not a county. <laughs> you know that. Oh, Connor. Trellick, you're not a county, but you're all the world to me. Uh, <laughs> Did you write that? That's fucking ripping off Peter Kearney. Now. I never get into fucking serious. Fucking so plagiarism. just on the other. So on the other side, yes. Yeah, so on the uh, songs that he that people may know. Uh, I don't Downtown know Train, I think, probably was one of the Downtown most success, successful by other people. Well, I re- I I heard because like you, I had heard Downtown Train mm-hmm. by Rod Stewart way before I'd heard Tom Waits. Yeah, I but know. and then there, it's not like it was something that how dare me? See, it, it, it was that me. Bad, but you heard Tom Waits' version and went, "What are you doing, Cameron? <laughs> the r- the rod? I did. Leave so the rod alone. <laughs> if you're TV fans, which I hope you are, if you're listening to this shit, mm. you know the Wire, mm-hmm. and you know the intro music to the Wire. Mm-hmm. That's a Tom Waits song. Yeah, performed by Tom Waits in one of the seasons. I I did think that actually they played the original. The one nutty the one uh, is Tom Waits. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest that are all soulful and stuff are just. And that's uh, yeah. And again, when I listen uh, again, when I watch the wire, I would add, but I say thankfully I knew Tom Waits was. But I, I genuinely was like, oh, why did they not play original? And then they did. Was it? They did. Se- I think third, it might be second, second or third. Uh, yeah. Which would which would talk we'll which we'll would have, make we'll the perfect. We'll talk I about would the wire. even do, and I'm, I've said this to everyone. We could do a standalone on season two of the wire. 
Never mind the whole of the world. Because mm. it's so fucking good. Mental. But, anyway. but that's the <laughs> the level of how, of how influential Tom Waits is. Yeah. When you've got the likes of um, the creators of The Wire. Oh, absolutely. Making sure that he's the fucking he's theme, gotta be the theme song. So he, there's Way Down the Hole, which is in The Wire, which is a cover of a song of his, which is, like, is on Rain Dogs, I believe. Then there's Old 55, which is covered by The Eagles, by and the it was Eagles. a massive song. Mm-hmm. Downtown Train by Rod Stewart. Your favourite. My favourite. I love you, Rod mm-hmm. Jersey Girl. Bruce Springsteen. Oh, right. I remember that's Jersey right. Girl. He was, he, that was one of his early. That, that's right, he was an early version, yeah. Uh, and Trap of Rose, which is on the Raisin Sand album by Alison Krauss and Robert Plant, which was massive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people know that song. They did an adaptation of it. It's not a direct cover, but right. it's... Twits has famously said that he's earned more money from his music that other people performed mm-hmm. than he ever earned. Kind of like other ones I've heard. Who did Blowfish? Your old favorites? Did uh, why are we talking about? I hope that I don't fall in love with you from Rain Dogs as well. Why are you? Really and then you had Sean Colvin. Do you remember her? Is Col- that did all the cried and all the adverts about Wednesday? Maybe. She did uh, Looking for the Heart of Saturday Night. Oh, that's a good song. Um, so, yes, a lot of people covering, um, but the album itself, Mule Variations, I mean, it's it's yeah. it's a big album. It's it's big in sound, it's big in track listing, it's big in, it's it's big in everything. It's, ba- it's big in the sense that, it, well, it's a, it's a great effort for him and his wife to produce because Absolutely. there's a lot of musicians, there's a lot of noise. A lot of things going on in it, and he actually used his when you mention his wife who is Kathleen Brennan um, there's a great quote he said was uh, I didn't just marry a beautiful woman or married a record collection <laughs> well <laughs> she uh, it's f- funny you have tenuously linked yet again tenuously linked uh, Trilly and Kerry mm-hmm. Trilly. her family are from Kerry yes and they honeymooned in Trilly and, fucking Trilly and he yeah. wrote all the music she, and are lyrics are sure it wasn't Trilly it's not Trilly <laughs> fuck no it's not Trilly <laughs> Then again, <laughs> then few boys very <laughs> wondering about that. He wrote all the lyrics for Swordfish Trombone while on honeymoon no, in Tralee. Right, no, so right. we have, we can take all the credit again. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, so well researched that we knew this was going to happen. Like, that's what we do on this podcast. We sort of. He's full of shit. <laughs> I'm his conscience. <laughs> He's full of we shit. We link things together. He's talking. A lot of research. But um, it's full of shit. And we make sure that we spend the time the quality time putting in the effort so Tom Waits so Terry Waits <laughs> or Tom Waits even we uh, and again so even well the album uh, his voice uh, this is what I love about Tom Waits album you don't know what's next no and <laughs> on, never on, know on the basis of this not, not only what the next track is you don't know what the next instrument's going to be what the next noise is going to come well, out of, you know. D- first off, what's your f- what was your introduction to this? Uh, How did you... Coming up to the house. You'd heard that on... That I had heard that... Uh, a playlist or somebody... No, i tell you where it was. It was... My uncle had an, an album of... I don't want to say Americana, but it was some sort of like compilation album that had okay. things on it, and that happened to be randomly on it. The original? The original. And... Okay. It was so strange. I don't know if he made the CD. I don't know. Wh- anyway, it was on the CD player that I had. And the song was there. And then, again, it was lyrics that got me in that one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where the fuck is this from? Um, And then I was 
post that that I started listening to Tom Waits and thought fuck's sake he's coming Rod Stewart <laughs> but <laughs> uh, that was my first introduction to him at all was the, coming the, up that right yeah. Yeah. okay yeah. Um, so <coughs> the roaring as well mm-hmm. me with my uh, feeble attempt at raspy voice just was mesmerized by what he could do with that voice I mean the the it sounds like he's completely roaring, Aye. and he is as such. But there's still melody there. There's still oh yeah, you know. And uh, then you get into the lyrics of that song, and that. So that was probably it becomes my favorite because that was the one that got me in them. But so many other ones through the middle of it are so random. Um, yeah, and st- and some of them are so beautiful. As well, we can so. go. We can. My first with Tom Waits mm-hmm. is uh, he, there's always a great connection between him and like alternative music in particular Primus right okay yeah um, so that's the thing see everybody used him as an inf- or spoke of him as an influence yeah he was, and, he was and, like and like if you listen to Primus you're going where is yeah. the influence here? but he actually sings on a few Primus songs most famously he sings on a song called Tommy the Cat where he plays the character of Tommy the Cat <laughs> who's just this real ragtag you know street cat who lives in an alley and Tom Waits does the voice for the cat the whole way through the song brilliant so that was immediately when I got to hear this guy mm-hmm. um and I got like Bone Machine, the early nineties stuff, and then I got the earlier stuff, and just totally fell for it. But this particular album, it was another one of good friends. Somebody got it, yeah. And it ended up being, and this is going to sound really weird, but the CEO House album, like right. where we went okay. to do the CEO before wherever we went Friday Saturday night. This album was to, always on. You're gonna have to explain for the young millennials what a CEO is. Chateau de Flanders, <laughs> eight eight bottles of Michelob for Pe- fiver. Peach Concord, Peach Concord, <laughs> Laser, Mad Dog Twenty Twenty, Strawberry only. Strawberry, Strawberry was, for the it boys. Was, it was strawberry in colour only. It was <laughs> fucking fuck all like strawberries. The amount of semi-deceased children I have encountered in my life, cloistered in that. The amount of vomit I distributed in that river <laughs> bank is. <laughs> I think that's why all the Japanese knotweed is growing so much. It's the fertilization from my vomit yep. uh, over the course of 1995 till about 99. Well, I remember like being really hungover in a friend's house and his young sister being downstairs listening to over and over again What's He Building in There, the song from the album. Right. Which isn't a song. It's, not song. it's a spoken word it's noise spoken fest. No. And she creepily was this tiny wee girl <laughs> who was like the cutest wee thing in the world and was sitting at the table like waiting for us to come down and tidy up and she was like, what's building in there? And we were like, it's creeping oh, me out, man. I'm hung over too. Because that's the thing of it. That's why I said earlier on about you don't know what's next. You could just, no. you can get a real like beautiful, beautiful song and next thing you're hitting with is just growling spoken word track that just can be. I suppose maybe if we could, maybe we could maybe show because I know one of the things that um, Tom Waits definitely, if you talk about influence and all the rest, is it, it's, well, seems to be well known in a way, but uh, uh, that Heath Ledger, when he was um, researching the Joker, it, well, I'll let you listen to yourself, but it, we were talking about this, it definitely um, is the inspiration for Heath Ledger's voice that he uses for It has to be from earlier, no earlier interviews. It's because if you don't, if you're listening to this and you hear this, you'll think that is Ledger as the Joker. Um, but it's not as Tom Waits in an interview from, um, I think it's the 70s in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, have to be, be put out a wee small warning on this. There is a bit of um, xenophobia and a bit of um, 
racial stereotyping, but you know. Hey man, it's the seventies, all right. <laughs> Far out. I have a growing level of popularity uh, throughout the uh, intercontinental United States, uh, <laughs> Japan, and uh, I travel extensively in Europe as well. Mm. Uh, no, I don't do half bad. I, uh, they tell me you have a new market now in Ireland. Is that true? Yeah. I've performed in Dublin and done very well there as well. You look uh, like a leprechaun. You should do well there. <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm also big in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wedding fucker, like. Fucker. Uh, he had a. He was a. Uh, yeah, so sorry. Uh, we apologize to any of our Irish listeners. Um, what? You know, what? Because of the. the uh, the, the racial stereotypes there of being a leprechaun and um, we hope no leprechauns are offended during that broadcast because we're so pro-British like I think we're more pro-leprechaun fuck we <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so if, you, if you, you get the opportunity if you get the opportunity as well look into all his talk show appearances absolutely yeah because they're, they're notoriously good yeah they're all a, a, a spectacle themselves yeah. I mean they're, they're a, piece of, a piece of performance art Mm-hmm. Ultimately, and he, um, but that you can clearly anybody listening to that, you can clearly hear that that is Ledger just ripped off. Yes, oh, absolutely. And then you can see then the link way, um, uh, Christopher Nolan. Well, yeah, there was a story I heard when the Dark Knight was being made, it wasn't even, uh, like that that infamous trailer hadn't even been released yet, which is loads of footage that isn't in the film, so I'm still baffled where that is. Hmm. There's a scene where oh, he, yeah. he flips a knife over uh, his hand, yeah. he's walking, it's nowhere, uh, and there's a few more scenes, but anyway. Christopher Nolan was talking to someone, um, it was one of the film magazines I was reading at the time, and he mentioned about the the infamous cut they have to make is a montage, and the montage is just to sort of speed up the process of how he got from here to here. But this montage was just showing the escalation of the violence that the Joker was bringing out, which would have ruined the end and how spectacular he'd become. Mm. So it was a good idea to cut it, but it was cut... Um, interspliced with Ledger sitting in a dark room, singing. Um, Walt the Walter Matilda, or no, sorry, Innocent When Innocent You Dream. dream yep. So he would have been singing Innocent When You Dream <laughs> with a Tom Waits voice. Made it. That would have been. While all this stuff's going on in the background, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like he was lit up, like you know yeah, the yeah. Penguin and Batman. It was sitting in a dark room. Yeah. Uh, I just. Uh, yeah. I. Just, I the that voice is as creepy as fuck. It, it helped that film along. Um, oh yeah, but he has appeared as you know in in loads of films, loads of different mm-hmm. parts. Um, some more famous than others. Um, well, he met his wife initially. Yeah, he was in a soundtrack to he he no before that he was in um Paradise Alley. Do you yes. remember Paradise Alley, the Sylvester Stallone wrestling film? Oh yes. He was on it, and she was like a script analyst, right. and they met briefly there. But then the second time they met, they were on uh, Francis Ford Coppola's One from the Heart, and he was doing the soundtrack. Ah, I knew there was one. So he had an office thing. near where they yes, were filming. Yes, that's what I knew, or something where they were close uh, by. Zoetrope yeah. Studios, and she came down to talk to him about something, and he found love. Um, like instantly, he right. says it was love at first sight. Bang! The whole lightning hitting me, the whole shebang, mm-hmm. and he was engaged within a week. <laughs> And they got married soon after, like Maybe. very soon after, and he's been with her ever since. 
Yeah, that, that's, that's that's that's. And he wrote some. He wrote his best love songs about her. About her, yeah. Uh, and she has definitely been um, she a positive musical influence. A on him. Massive, yeah, massive influence. So, like I said, at the start. He's a jazz, wishy-washy, drunkard, hobo, you know, hanging over the piano mm-hmm. in the bar sort of vibe. He meets her, and she introduces him to, like... She doesn't say, change you, because she fell in love with you. Mm-hmm. So she's like, can you listen to this new guy out, uh, Captain Beefheart? And he'd never heard Captain Beefheart. Right. And then Tom Waits' whole musical direction changes. Mm-hmm. So he starts writing... Yeah, it's these songs are elements of songs that had a wee bit of a where's that come out of? This doesn't fit here at all. Nope. But when you hear it as a whole, it it, it does really yeah. does like. So it was her that she sort of told him that he needs a marker. He needs to, he just can't be the the fucking street drunk guy. He has to have yeah. not a shtick, but something he can. Like a sword to drive into the ground, go. That's my point of reference, mm-hmm. and his point of reference became the experimental side. Yeah, and he became an experimental artist, and people were. He started to pick up way more popularity than he ever had. He did, and and sometimes uh, uh, when you're listening, especially that first time around, because yes. it is experimental. It is. You know, it you it is a to, bit. You have to give it the time, you know, and that's. There, there are certain. <coughs> Back to mule variations. Big Japan is the is the opening track, which mm-hmm. is a clanker tune, like a great tune. Mighty tune. Um, but still weird as fuck. It's weird as fuck. Yeah, and, and it's 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 all performed by all the guys in Primus and Tom Waits. Oh, there so you it's right back full circle. Right, okay. Them boys are helping him. But the start of it, if you haven't heard it, there's like this weird noise. That's yeah. him banging on a fucking piano or a table. No, that's no. I, well, I'm I I don't know. I'll I'll we'll, we'll take emails on this if you listen to it. I think it's him doing. Um, vocal drums. I think it's a loop of him vocally doing a rhythm. If you listen to it really closely, it's like it's. A, I think it's him actually. I'm not gonna say beatboxing. It's not beatboxing, but it's him that has created a rhythm on it, and then the loop, and then the actual drums come in. If you listen, mm. there's something that was the first thing that caught me. I thought, is that fucking is that his voice? But it's the start. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's I, the it's start the of the, the album. Opening, it's the opening part of the album. But maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it is a, a synth or something. But I actually thought it was. Like has like what fucking Michael Jackson used to do. He used to fucking mm. scat. Do the I always thought it was like I remember reading years ago. It was something to do with a him banging on a table or something, and they just sort of skewed it, made it Could a bit be. more. It just sounds like. But I mean, it, but they they definitely it's answers it's edited to sound ans- like a beat. Answers on the postcard, please. Um, to the usual address. So, uh, as an opener. It's As an a, opener, it's quite a statement. It's now we have to we have to re- like really hammer home this nineteen ninety nine. You know, um, the the musical scene of nineteen ninety nine. It's not no, it's not strong. Da, da, da. <laughs> oh, ba, da, ba, da. You know what I mean? Yeah, Britney's at the peak end. Britney's there. Boy bands, you know, Limp Bizkit and all them boys are there. Yeah. There's uh, not a lot of room comes into the middle of the scene for this boy. Mm. Uh, but even w- amongst you know, uh, if you want to call it his his peers, they all went fucking Tom Jones. You know, talking about the dance fucking record. yeah, that's right. Actually, you yeah. know what I mean. And that to 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 not only stick to your guns, to go even further, more alternative. 
is only something Tom Rich would do. In that well, there you go. Well, there, that, that's you've actually described it perfectly because, as an indicator of how difficult it is to classify his music, this album was nominated for Best Contemporary Folk Album, <laughs> which won the Grammy. That's right. Yeah, he won the and Grammy. And yeah. Best Male Rock Vocal Performance for Hold On, which he didn't win. Yeah, he, he'd only won one Grammy before that, which was for Best Alternative Music Album. <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck? Well, so even the the people who uh, categorize mm-hmm. uh, musicians for the Grammys can't categorize Tom Rich. No, it's it's very very difficult to. You can't put him in a, a pigeonhole, him, but you can't pigeonhole without Tom. No, he's not the fan of it. And standout track for you then? I know I come up the house with myself. Um, I I do love Big Japan, incidentally, but it just so happens to be the opener. But I I like the second song, "Low Side of the Road." Okay, it's it. It sounds like um, you ever heard you know, Ray Cooter? Mm-hmm. The guy does a lot of soundtrack work. Mm-hmm. He did um, Paris, Texas, and stuff. What else was he? Annoying. Loads. There's loads. He's, he's like really yeah, yeah. But that there's like a saxophone sound in it mm-hmm. that sounds like somebody's going past in a car. You keep going. Okay, I can't help but hear that. Yeah. And then the song's real. Slow, aye, really, and it's just like a real dirty banjo mm-hmm, sort of, mm-hmm. and that that one was the one that I went. I don't know where this album's gonna go, because <laughs> like as as you say that that f- uh, finding or what is the name of the spoken word track? The what's he building in what's there? What's he building in there? I mean that just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> like it's just aye, and and I'd already heard that. Right, I'd already aye. heard that song. Uh, somebody had played it on the radio because it's not long. No. And it was in some late night RT two, uh, two FM show, oh and they yeah. played it, and I went, "Is it like a spoken word?" <laughs> and then we make it the album, and we're all listening, and I'm two songs in, going, "When is this spoken word one coming?" Because this is getting fucking weird already. Because mm-hmm. back in Japan, it's like a big boom, boom, ah, and then low side of the roads, like yeah, somebody's just dragged you out of a ditch. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 rope material, like oh, <laughs> it's rope material. <laughs> <laughs> um. But then the third song's Hold On. Yeah. And it's real hopeful, sort of. Full of positivity. Yeah. 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 It's, um, is that is that why we're sort of classifying it as a one of the best? I mean, it's because uh, it's him. Uh, uh, yeah, one. it's, it's uh, a great it's representation of him yeah, overall. As a full encompassing mm-hmm. thing. because And as well as that, like I said, it's a big album, as in yeah. 16 tracks. It's a Which, you know, normally uh, back in the old days of CDs and stuff, 16 tracks usually meant it was 10 album tracks and like fucking six remixes. Well, g- but, you know, some of them were like Paul Oakenfold remixes. <laughs> and and your man from The Prodigy. <laughs> um, but no, the, for again, a couple of spoken, or spoken word bits, but I mean, uh, overall, a, a very hefty album. Um, the. Yeah, it's fucking seventy minutes long. Yeah, that's that's that filled. Jesus, I never even noticed that. Took, I've yeah. just totally Wikipedia that, by the way. Don't don't. But <laughs> like, I was listening full length of a CD because CD can only hold seventy minutes. Jesus, I took the full length, so um, not too many can take the full length, boy. <laughs> that's uh, ah! you know you know yourself. Cox, um, that easy. I'm sorry. Or hard. <laughs> so uh, when we get to the uh, I, what I love about um especially this album is the the fact that for me when i had only heard coming up the house i went to go and look for the album and because i thought this is such a blinder of a tune 
It must be the opener to the album, or it must be, you know, it's the, la- it's the last song. It's the last song. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is one of the best songs I've ever heard? Yep. And he's just fired on to end the album. And mm-hmm. I was like, that is such fucking brilliant, uh, genius. Mm-hmm. Like, but coming up the house, um, the lyrics in it, yeah. it really got me. But you're, we were saying, like, we don't know if that was a single. I know there is a, a video I, on YouTube. Uh, I don't think it was a single. A, a lyric video, but it's very, very well done. Very but then again, I was hearing, like I said, I was hearing songs from it on the radio, and I thought there were singles, and there weren't. Right. So okay. I think people were just sort of blown away by the different sort of levels of songwriting within the album itself. In particular, again, that it was himself and his wife that were just pretty much doing everything. Did everything, yeah. Uh, Not playing say, a lot of the instruments, uh, but, you know. If you if you go to look at the contributing musicians on it i mean it's a laundry list yeah there's, there's a, lot of, people. There's a, a lot, lot of people there's a lot of things gotta say as well his longtime bass player larry taylor passed away recently oh who played live with him and played in this album okay. good, good man larry hope um, you're hope you're doing it rightly yeah wrap it up um i don't know if he, it could have been like a drug dealer and a pedophile. i didn't look up any more about him we've just honored a guy and i fucking didn't really do Techn- much yeah but he did he played bass Nobody lets him in. Ah, no. But even if he was a pedophile, they let him off. He played bass for, bass for Tom Waits. That's true. That's Hollywood like. Ho- uh, Do you know who else played in this album? Christopher Marvin. This is a funny one. He's the son of Lee Marvin, actor. And he's featured as a guest drummer. When you hear this one. As a nod to Waits' exclusive membership. In the Sons of Lee Marvin. Oh, I've seen the Sons <laughs> of Lee Marvin fan club or some sort uh, of fan club. It's a secret society of Marvin lookalikes. Oh, they, uh, that's, again, I did see that and I thought only fucking Tom Waits. Only Tom Waits is in yeah, a Lee Marvin, Lee Marvin secret society. Jesus fucking right. And then gets his son. And then gets Christopher Marvin. Uh, I think another like nod to just how respected and loved he is. Is it true there's a Tarantino thing where... Quentin Tarantino, I think. I'm gonna have to check this out. Did I just fucking dream this? Did Donald tell me this? Um, he got Tom Waits to come and audition for um, Pulp Fiction, knowing that he wasn't going to get Tom Waits, or nor did he really want Tom Waits to do it. He just wanted to hear Tom Waits read that speech. Which speech? I think it's the Jules speech. Fuck off. There's something, there's something in there. I'll, I'll now, I'll, now I fucking think. Uh, have I actually dreamt it? Because you don't know about it, so maybe I have dreamt it. No, but it could be. It there was something with Tarantino where he had asked, and and uh, uh, yeah, I'm nearly sure he got Tom Waits to come and um. That's how long read the script out uh, as part of it, so he could hear Tom Waits reading that. And you got this from where? I'm nearly sure it was in like a uh, recently, like uh, last month, just by pure chance, I seen it. Uh, um, Total Film, I think, had it with uh, like a Quentin Tarantino booklet that came out, a special thing. And somewhere in the middle of all of it was a mention of he got Tom Waits to come and was it Reservoir Dogs? Maybe your it was fucking Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. He had Tom Waits read the Madonna speech. Madonna speech. Just that's to what hear it was. him say it. Just to hear him say it. That's what it was. It was a Madonna speech. I knew there was something with Tarantino was big. Yeah, he got what? I <laughs> know. There you are. So thank fuck I didn't dream that. Um, yeah, you got Tom Waits to come in and read the Madonna speech, which as we know now is obviously the most Oh speech man. That's fucking incredible. I st- this well, uh, like we we have threatened about a Tarantino uh, only episode, but how the fuck? Oh, Jesus, that fucking computer blew up. 
been 19 hours me and you won't remember. But how the fuck did... But how does a guy... How does a boy who worked in a fucking X Division, basically... Yep. His first film... Mm-hmm. Not only gets Harvey Keitel, the star, but then can call upon Tom Waits to come and read the fucking script mm-hmm. just to hear him say it. But there was a lot of like, TV sound I scripts flat out. Nah, I don't know. Fuck, I think it's, just, it's a foot fetish thing. He's in the wee club. He's in the... Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin. <laughs> We're Secret fucking slander, Lee Marvin. Now. Secret toe club. For our Lee Marvin. Uh, but yeah, there you are. So Tom Waits, yeah, read the Madonna speech. Uh, that's Tarantino. incredible. Yeah. So that's the level that you got Tarantino reaching out wanting to have Tom Waits just to fucking read, just to hear him say it. Yeah. Um, now, when you when you watch Reservoir Dogs mm-hmm. and you know that because then after I'd read that last month I was like I need to go and watch that again and when you watch the Madonna speech in Reservoir Dogs it's so now that you know that you're like oh my god it is actually delivered like Tom Woods but they don't have footage of him doing it don't have it footage I don't think it was just yeah this was audition. they fucked up there absolutely imagine that keeping that would be oh that's sick of my shite that but then again Wits probably wouldn't have allowed it if he hadn't uh, no well probably not yeah. uh, because there's another great link, to be fair. He's notoriously sues everyone. Yeah, oh. He he made, like, fucking 2.6 million off of Doritos. <laughs> they, wanted him, they wanted one of his songs. Right. And um, they said no. And they um, got a guy to impersonate him, but not play one of his songs, play something very similar to the song and his voice. Mm-hmm. So he sued them. <laughs> and he won. And he's soon flat out. Uh, anybody even singing, anybody even doing a cover of his song, and it's in an, an advert, sued. Right. And he's winning every time. Good man, Tom. Um, he once said, if Michael Jackson wants to work for Pepsi, he should just get a corner office and fucking work for them. <laughs> um, and he associated using your songs in, um, in adverts or advertisements or anything unlicensed. I was like having udders sewn to the side of my face. Painful. <laughs> and embarrassing. <laughs> that's that's the type of boy you're up against here. Yes, the fuck it. <laughs> um the my favorite line in <coughs> Mute Variations is in Black Market Baby. Mm-hmm. And Kathleen Brennan wrote the line. Right. It's uh she's a diamond who wants to stay cold. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is fucking. And as soon as you hear it, you go, it. "Yeah, that's definitely Tom Waits' line." But he didn't write it, so that's how good she knows him. Um, <laughs> some, some I love some of the lines he has on his website. Some random things. Uh, my father was an exhaust manifold, and my mother was a tree. <laughs> <laughs> There's two famous quotes. Again, we're going off new variations, but you have to to sort of get an idea of. Well, you point. have to get just to, just to try and sell you to go towards the yeah. the most famous of his quotes is uh he was on a TV show as well. It's on YouTube, but uh, he's on a TV show. It's sort of like a comedy uh, talk show. Mm-hmm. And the two guys are going at him. And one goes, because uh, he's drinking. And he puts a bottle down in front of him. And the boy goes, uh, I've never seen a guest drink at a talk show before. And he goes, well, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. <laughs> 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 and it keeps, see, if you look it up online, people say it's a, uh, a free bottle in front of me instead of a pre-frontal lobotomy, but it's not. He just says a bottle in front of me instead of a frontal, frontal lobotomy. Brilliant. Fucking brilliant. And there's another quote where they're talking about his unique voice. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, it's true, I'll never sing opera again. 
<laughs> it is, however, an appropriate organ for conveying. It's the right horn for my car. <laughs> People get out of the way when I blow it. It frightens children and gets me a seat at the bar. What more do you want from a voice? <laughs> Just a funny fucker. Like. Yeah. And and then when you, when you bring it back to Million Variations, you can see that that humor comes through in quite a lot of the, the lyrics as well. Even and there's what they segments like you can hear mm-hmm. that's coming through um some of the uh <laughs> we're just looking at some of the names of the songs never mind the fucking lyrics and content chocolate jesus is always my favorite chocolate jesus. song um uh but the, the, the grammy i suppose um when we bring it into the 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 thing the best contemporary folk album folk yeah i i don't hear folk in it to be honest with you i mean it, i there's a lot of blues and stuff that's well, I don't. I, I don't listen to a lot of folk. So modern folk might be. There might have been a renaissance in the mid nineties, and folk isn't what me and you think it is. Maybe I don't know. But, but I don't. I, I mean, I don't, I, mm, but then if I think of a folk festival, contemporary folk. There you go. There's a turntablist on this album. Like, there's a guy with a turntable in one of the songs. So, where? <laughs> how are you mixing? That that yeah that is and so the, the like it it sold well the album. Um, yeah, one of his best sellers. It again, obviously, the Grammy helped that. But is it one of those ones? Is it like did he get the Grammy at that stage because it was Tom Waits and it was nineteen eighty nine? You know, you know I'm I not don't. Sure. I don't know if this is his best album. It's w- w- now let us. We've we've spoke about Oscars and Grammys before. Mm. But don't don't give that an indication of what we're saying that that means it's good. Oh no, definitely not. No. Because. Noto- notoriously, like the Grammys, are way well, off. No, what I was lots of times, was this but time was I think this is such a specific, yeah, category that that I I, I mean, they made it for him. <laughs> I could have been man. <laughs> yeah. It really could have yeah. been. Uh, but no, no, I was going to say was that when you have um, you've got the Grammys or the Oscars. I, I think it it was like a case of it was like Al Pacino getting sent of a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, he done the Godfather Dog Day afternoon, fucking yep. Serpico, all that stuff. No Oscars, and they're getting to the point going, "Fuck, we're going to give him one for something." <laughs> it was scent of a woman, um, which wasn't his best. Perf- you know, it was alright, no, no, but it was a case of the Academy going, "Dude, we're going to give you something because you're so fucking epic at everything else you've done." Cruising's his best performance, the gay one. The gay <laughs> cruising, cruising. Uh, that voice just what it is. I know. What? Uh, anyway, that's a, they could do a whole talk on when did Pacino's voice change. Um. <laughs> And what specific year? From the next week. I used to be able to do a good Pacino, and I can't anymore. Uh, because I've got a uh, mix match, like you said, of every one of his voices, yeah. and it just ends up me going. Rawr, rawr, that's that's the, 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 the woo ha, that one. I but it's a, like, it's a daddy. I can do it. You know the real fucking soft spoken in the Godfather. Like why the fuck did mm-hmm. he go there? Uh, but <laughs> again, uh, we digress. Uh, the the album then uh, <coughs> another weird one. Like you said, Chocolate Jesus. Mm. Eyeball Kid. Eyeball Kid, yes. Now, there's a story behind Eyeball Kid. Okay. Who do you think influenced Eyeball Kid? Now, it's uh, not a kid with one eyeball. Uh, or who is one, uh, an eyeball. Right, here we go. Eyeball Kid. Um. It's a guy who he is friends with and has been friends with uh, another link to Francis Ford Coppola. He is in a film with Francis Ford Coppola's nephew, 
Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage and him become mm-hmm. like the best friends. And well, at Cage one and stage, Cage oh and Wits. right, okay, sorry, yes. And at one that stage, that was so toxic. Cage is a fucking mentalist. Yeah, <laughs> these dinosaur bones that he forgot he had in all in the house. <laughs> what? And then Nicolas Cage gives him like a huge pile of comics. Mm-hmm. Tom Waits wasn't really a big comic guy, but he starts going through these comics and he just it opens up his brain mm-hmm. and he writes a song about a, a kid in a family who's just an eyeball. <laughs> that's in the middle of this album. It's just so randomly, weirdly beautiful. There's a great <laughs> interview where <coughs> he's he's like his son, Tom Waits' son is into skateboards. He's a big skateboarder and he loves his skateboard magazine, whatever it's called. And um, they're doing their best to trip him up uh-huh. in the interview. It's a magazine interview. like. Right. Um, so every time like they're putting out a weird question, he's just coming back with something weirder. <laughs> and they just don't know how to beat him. So they um, they mentioned about we hear your friends with Nicholas Cage and he's like yeah, yeah. and they said um, they're doing the best to rile him up about it. Uh-huh. So they mentioned that they're uh, why we're speaking about Cage. Why don't you get him to pick better roles these days? And Wade says, "You're gonna write this down in your gravestone, like <laughs> easy, easy. There are many rooms in the House of Madness. Enter them all before you finish." <laughs> So that is violence. Yeah, that's yeah. fucking. There are, uh, that's just uh, him saying. Don't code. be pecking on my friend. I want that code. That is fucking violence. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> but now we gotta say it. We gotta talk about the sad songs. The sad songs are very, very sad. There is they an are... extremely sad song mm-hmm. um, called Georgia Lee, mm-hmm. and it's actually about a girl that was found murdered in his hometown. Uh, Georgia Lee Moses it was in 1987 so it's two years before the album's mm-hmm. finished she disappeared from her home in Santa Rosa California and was found slain in a grove of trees by a freeway on ramp nine days later so there's no suspects person's never been found mm-hmm. and the case is still unsolved so Waits actually goes to her funeral right it just had a chord room he's a father of three kids mm-hmm. um doesn't seem to be the type of guy that would well I'm not saying he's a fucking monster but he doesn't seem to be the type of guy that would involve himself in other people's business because he notoriously doesn't want people involved in his yeah, quite he doesn't re- talk about his kids quite reclusive and yeah he doesn't much, yeah. he only talks about his wife in mm-hmm. the professional sense of her as his writing partner and yeah. producer and helper and uh, he doesn't talk about but for him to be affected but and the song is really sad mm-hmm. and it's not like whereas uh Picture in a Frame, for example, is just a nice love song that's uh, yes. it's, uh, that's got There's sad elements. This is an extremely yeah. sad song. Picture in a Frame is quite melancholic in yes. the sense that this is fucking yeah. Um, so in the depths of despair. But uh, to sort of counteract that, the next song is Filipino Brock Spring Hog, which is a song <laughs> about the good old lads <laughs> drinking in the alleyways that have. <laughs> frequented quite a number of Wits' songs in the past. These are all roasting a peg on a mattress. <laughs> That's what Filipino box spring hong is about, a back box spring mac- mattress. <laughs> and these boys cooking it this certain way. <laughs> That's the next song. Mighty. And s- so, uh, uh, like we said, we don't know what genre it fits into. We don't know really... Um, why we love it so much? Uh, we, we, I know it's weird, and we haven't 
maybe sold it that well. No, um, but I think if you if you're interested in hearing something, it's not like out there weird. It's not. No, like, you still. These are actually songs. They're there's structured. There's really good structured songs with really some really beautiful melodies as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just sometimes his voice makes you forget there's a melody. Mm-hmm. It's just so gravelly and so um, so rough. Like it really is when he that you know when he gets really into roaring, like he fucking can roar. Um, uh, definitely a lot of fucking dancing houses for that. Few, oh, aye. N- like lots of every description of his voice is like brandy soaked, yeah, gravels, yeah, yeah, you know, swallowing glass and. But it, y- like you said, it if th- if that was deliberate, it would have an awful effect on your voice when you're. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine. You started in ninety seven, so you sing that way. So it has to be just the way he's. It's the way he is. Yeah, it's how he sounds like. And so we have come to. uh, Oh, lastly though, um, our last thing. um, Second last. Second last. Picture in a frame was my first dance at my wedding. That is right. You 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 sort of remember that? Yes. You hit play. I hit play. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) On that particular evening. On that warm. May evening. Yeah. I had play on track one, which was Picture in the Frame. Yeah. And, and everybody went. By the time. Well, was all, well uh, no, no, no. What happened? Well, not you. You heard it. And Frankie Brazil and all the boys yeah. in the corner were going, <laughs> What? Are we drinking CEOs again? <laughs> I, uh, I had. Yes, that was that was the that was the easy one because that was your first dance. It was loud. It was, it was when we got to track eight or nine. Did I want a cannibal corpse? And her auntie wanted Elvis? Uh, yeah, where I started to get blamed. Yeah, like, a, yeah. yeah. Change yeah. that music. I was like, no, that's not my music. Well, I didn't pick it. Yeah. And then I had to go up and quietly say, um, listen, Ronan, um, the consensus of every fucker out there, yeah. from Stravan, yeah. who wants to get the rave on, is I need to put on some Rihanna. Yeah, and you did? <laughs> I had to. And I was going to get, it was a choice of dealing with your wrath or get stabbed by your wife's fucking oh, from Stravan. So that, I went with, I'll deal was, with your wrath any day. That was the fun <laughs> part of, the the wedding knowing that if uh, you heard the first dance and went what <laughs> that after hour or two you were still going come on now somebody <laughs> better didn't get that far no uh, it didn't get I'm, that far I'm maybe even being uh, maybe being generous by saying track eight or nine <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> but yes picture in the frame was your friend so I mean it's uh, obviously holds a close candle to your heart and big all time that stuff. Uh, but not but only that but my wife picked it it was when I was listening to the album and she got to hear that song and she was like, that's incredible. Um, and we weren't obviously engaged or anything then, but it was a really sort of monumental moment to me where you're listening to a person listen to it and you can see their emotions go, mm. this is a bit, I don't Aye. know. When you, can get, when you see somebody Aye, like the, it's starting to formulate. They, they haven't heard the song. You get book. excited when you see yeah, somebody. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, no, doing that, well, what do you think? Aye, well. Oh, what do you think of that one? Staring at them. Now. Aye. There go. Uh, so th- yes, uh, means a lot to all of us. Uh, <laughs> but it means yeah. um, it's sort of it finished off the millennium, obviously, nineteen ninety nine. <coughs> yeah. But it it um for him then and what he did afterwards, you know, mm-hmm. um, I I don't know, was that his peak of that time? I mean, uh, albums there's a few, after there's, that, there's there a couple of individual tracks, but as an all encompassed piece of work, I think that has been. Maybe his last best. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, in, um, in my opinion and your opinion, yeah, yeah. somebody's going to go out there oh, and say that there's... Oh, hard Tom Wentz fans are going to say there's like, uh, oh, yeah, what about the B-side too? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that the C-side is Tom would do. Uh, so we're going to leave you with um, well, our final bit. At the end, the end of the album being Come On Up To The House, the, 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 the narrative of his sort of story leading up to this album was that he's this woe be gone young man who's mm-hmm. been beaten up by life and liquor and love and cigarettes and you know mm-hmm. but this album you sort of get the impression that he's turned into more like a caring guardian yeah and he's so helping parenthood coming right. on. That's, yeah. he's he's more of a mature yeah and with his wife at the helm he's writing for her staring directly at her but singing to us yeah, and you're like that's my last impression of this album but because of his links to Bukowski, on the there's a Bukowski documentary where Tom Waits reads out a small a short poem, mm-hmm. and it's sort of it's sort of is a great full stop to all this, mm-hmm. um, and it's not long, and it's not horrible. So, well, then we'll can, can we listen on to our it? on our well, we'll do that then on our way out. On your way out there, folks. Uh, uh, take a wee listen to this. Um, we'll see you again soon. Thanks very much. You want to say goodbye? Just bye. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing hard. <coughs> your life is your life. Don't let it be clubbed into dank submission. Be on the watch. There are ways out. There is light somewhere. It may not be much light, but it beats the darkness. Be on the watch. The gods will offer you chances. Know them and take them. You can't beat death, but you can beat death in life. Sometimes the more often you learn to do it, the more light there will be. Your life is your life. Know it while you have it. You are marvelous. The gods wait to delight in you. That's a beauty, you know.